0: What do ancient astronomers, mercenaries, athletes, and politicians have in common?
1: Join your three lame hosts as they take an irreverent, lived-in look at disabled figures from ancient Egypt to the 20th century.
0: Come take a wild and accessible ride exploring a side of history they probably didn't teach you in school.
1: This This is Lame Lame History.
0: History. Hello, my name is Kevin. I'm an author, photographer, and former TV show host who was born without legs. I'm a congenital amputee with double hip disarticulation, which basically just means that no femurs formed in the hip sockets of my pelvis. I live in Montana and typically walk on my hands or use a skateboard to get around.
1: I'm Caitlin Michelle. My friends call me Katie, my students call me Miss, and my twins' boys call me Mommy. The doctors who delivered me didn't know what to call me when I was born without a left forearm. And now I guess I can call myself a podcaster.
2: Hello, my name is Scott. I've been in the plumbing, construction, and service industry for almost 20 years, including owning my own plumbing company. I'm a former competitive paraclimber. I was born with only part of my right hand and had several surgeries at Shiner Children's Hospital to increase my dexterity. I'm married to a fellow, now former paraclimber, and we have twin toddlers who outnumber us in digits and outrun us in general.
1: Welcome to Lame History, the podcast about how disability and disabled people help shape the world as we know it today.
0: Today we'll be discussing German-born calligrapher and micrographer Matthias Buchinger. Born without arms or legs in 16th century Bavaria, Matthias had an extensive career as a traveling artist, micrographer, and calligrapher across Europe and the UK throughout the 1600s. And just like a real quick explanation on what micrography is. Uh, it's basically like drawing a picture or a portrait of someone only with like really, really small, uh, uh, sentences. So like, um, we'll show it in a little while, but there's a picture that he created early on in his career where it's like his own self portrait. But if you look in closely at his hair, it has like the Lord's prayer comprising the majority of the strands. Um,
2: 16th century, right?
0: uh yeah throughout the 1600s what would your my oh,
1: I mean, say what quotes well, it, would you put in your head
2: oh wow
0: go ahead because
1: Scott, my scots right. would just be live, love, laugh over and over
2: <laughs> i was just thinking well like it still blows my mind how long some of these you know some of these people have lived given the time periods that they were alive you
0: yeah, know, yeah like, no i mean
2: how many times they just like oh uh-oh throw it out like
0: Oh yeah, what? like he managed to. I mean, so he did have a little bit of a, a dark side to him, where he got pretty heavily into drinking and uh, was abusive toward his third wife. I want to say. Well, we'll get down down as we go further down the script. But um, he also managed to sire 14 children throughout his four marriages. So, um,
1: I love the word "sire." Yeah. It's so official and so uh, formal.
0: So Matthias was born in Ansbach, in the German state of Bavaria in 1674. And Bavaria is basically now mostly modern day Germany. But um, at the time, to kind of give you an idea of his background, Bavaria at the time was the end result of the Holy Roman Empire splitting up across religious and ethnic lines during the first half of the 1600s. It was the result of the 30-year war. And it was bloody, claimed between 4 and 12 million lives, around 450,000 people died in combat. And on top of that, they had what's been referred to by a lot of people as the mini ice age, basically a a broad depression of temperatures across about a 50 year span, which resulted in addition to the famine imposed by war, um, you know, additional hardships with trying to procure food and just keep people alive. Um,
2: Sounds like fun. Sounds like a shitty place to live.
0: Yeah. I mean, for what he starts out at in terms of like his you know uh, the starting hand you're dealt compared to where he ended it is genuinely very very impressive um, so we don't know very much about his childhood unfortunately most of what we know about Matthias comes from his own writings as well as accounts later on during his travels um, but we do have this real small window into his childhood uh, that comes from the dublin penny journal His parents were of humble rank, and during his childhood, being distressed at his unnatural form concealed him as much as possible. But at length, as he grew older, finding him an encumbrance, they bethought themselves of providing him with some employment, which should necessarily be a sedentary one, and had at one time an intention of apprenticing him to a tailor, but were forced to abandon his plan as they could find no place for the thimble. So you got to kind of take this with a little bit of a grain of salt based on the last sentence, which is more or less a joke referring to uh, his lack of hands or feet. Um, So I don't necessarily doubt the last bit on its face, but I can see. And as you'll see later on in his life, he was the butt of enough jokes where I could absolutely see that just being, you know, the writer taking an embellishment to get a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is really strange because when he does first kind of come on the scene, um he clearly has skills that would have taken a while to train and hone and you know, we'll post some of these on the website. Um but it's, you know, he clearly had uh, a a teacher, a mentor or parents who connected him with someone like that. Um because it's it's just impossible to imagine that it evolved purely, you know, naturally. Um, so to kind of get into his career, cause there really isn't much about him before age 20. Um, he first performed in 1694 at the Easter fair in Leipzig. Um, he was described as a conjurer without hands who could shuffle cards, thread a needle and load and shoot a pistol. And there's actually kind of an interesting, uh, series of images uh i forget what the let me see okay cool yeah um there's like this series of like 13 vignettes uh for the this little poster that was made for him that shows him doing all of these activities the charging a rifle threading a needle i think there's one with like a ping pong paddle or something um and it kind of gives the you know the viewer and us uh, the best idea of what his early routine was like. So this is before he'd really like learned micrography and was supporting himself through his own skill set. It definitely sounds more of like circus kind
2: of sideshow. Um, Basically, just had him get freak show
1: before he developed his own talents. A Not little bit. Lie. I, mean... I I'd like to know how to shuffle cards. <laughs>
0: That's one thing is like looking at the the writing and description of some of his early shows. It doesn't strike me as like a really, you know, nasty kind of carnival type attitude or freak show type attitude. Uh,
2: Not not the way we look back on a lot of freak shows and say the early 1900s. More of a curiosity.
0: well and the engraving showing all of the things that he could do um i need to pull up that photo just and not
1: gonna lie i'd be curious
2: yeah
0: yeah um so his uh i'm i'm looking at the image right now and he could draw pictures with a pen play at dice uh he was uh, skilled at writing. He could make a pen, play on the dulcimer. Uh, he could charge a, a gun. Pen? Make like, a like pen.
1: Refill it with the ink. I, th-
0: I I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, it shows. It, this is the top right vignette. If anyone's looking at the image, um, it's basically him on a, you know a flat desk, and in front of him is a quill, a stylus, and some other piece of something. So yeah, I think it is literally make a pen. Um, then shoes himself, which I'm very, very interested to learn more about um, plays at Skittles, which is, I think just kind of a, I'll have casing to, actually the know rainbow. no, actually you should probably know what that, uh, what Skittles is. Hold on.
2: That's going to take me back to some action
0: figure oh, therapy videos. Sure. Taste the rainbow. No, it's so it's a like a really tiny version of bowling, uh, like yard bowling, baby, uh, bowling. baby bowling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they had
2: so, just been bowling
0: back. <laughs> based upon a game originally from Holland. Um, and so what else could he do? Grind corn to flour, thread a needle at cards and then cups and balls. Which there are balls just before Caitlin goes off on a change. <laughs>
2: uh
0: there are balls. You can do the three balls uh and the three cups spinning them around, I think.
2: It's just the three car Still monster. being good.
0: Just yeah. a con man. Yeah, that one that one kind of smacks me of like some sort of hustling, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know the uh the actual um Type of show also, he had at the Leipzig Fair. So
1: it also does I mean, like a lot of feminine tasks, like what would traditionally be considered feminine, like uh, threading a needle and things well, like that.
2: Not necessarily.
0: I mean, I would imagine it's how I mean, many at that time. possible tasks can you get on that vignette board? Because the more yeah, things he true, can do, true. the more impressive your act would be. I would, was me just thinking hypothetically, but. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say they're all feminine, but (laughs) cups and balls, ain't. (laughs) Uh, I'm being good. (laughs) So uh, the first record of his attempt at headlining was in 1708. Um, Buckinger submitted an ornate and lavishly phrased petition to the council of the city of Nuremberg. um, And he was denied. The council ruled that Buckinger could not appear on the fairground itself, but only in an inn or other eatery Quote, for the sake of pregnant women um because they a- famously
1: they famously don't eat
0: well yeah <laughs> i see what you did there yeah i'm sure there's a woman or two or a pregnant lady or two in there getting a chili bowl uh, <laughs> No, it was because there was a theory at the time about maternal imprinting, which was like, if you see someone who's disabled, like some sort of visual curse or tape from the ring, your baby inside you will then also become disabled. So like, yeah, they were they were concerned I, that-
2: Damn it, Katie. I knew we should have shown pictures of billionaires to our boys when we were, when we were pregnant.
0: If that uh. was an actual popular theory, that would have been terrifying to be pregnant. <laughs> Like, don't look at any weirdos.
1: Okay, honestly, all I did when I was pregnant was listen to true crime podcasts and watch horror movies. So now I'm nervous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your kids might go through a phase.
2: He's not lying. And eat garlic.
0: Just pay attention to how they treat your pets.
2: Oh, now I'm very nervous. No. Oh, Oh, I sent you a picture of Nate Hugging Teeny, yeah, that was today. So yeah. that was yeah, for the be camera. Re- be reassured. Mm.
0: <laughs> so he continued to travel extensively throughout his life, and he did manage to get more and more uh, notoriety, and and was accepted onto uh, actual uh, like his own was given his own booth at carnivals. Uh, not too long after the 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 unfortunate failure at Nuremberg. So, um, yeah, well, and for the most part, he traveled around central Europe and France, but, um, when he eventually went to, sorry, I'm just trying to cue this thing up here. Herdy, also, herdy. I don't
1: know if I'd want to be as another performer. I wouldn't want to be in the same booth as him.
0: <laughs> Why? He's doing
1: all these things, all these like normal things. You can't compete with that.
2: <laughs> You just depends on what you're starting with, you know. Are you just? The I mean, buddy?
0: I mean, if you wanted to be a real dick, you could just be an able-bodied person with the exact same routine and just do it. I would watch than that to prove the capabilities of man.
2: Oh god. Oh man, you, you just set my mind to some dark places about what Goodwill does in hiring disabled people. Oh god. Oh.
1: Is it for so, inspiration?
2: Let, let's not go down that Is road. Is it
1: inspiring? Oh,
2: no. It's how so, can we pay less than minimum wage. Oh,
0: oh yeah. But no, it's
1: inspiring. Not... They they exist for inspiration. Well,
2: they, certain, they certainly advertise that they hire
0: them. So, um, one of the fun things about Matthias are, are all the descriptions people wrote about him. So, being a congenital amputee, like, You know there weren't clean cuts he had like i I think a couple little nubs on his arm um and the same with with his two uh feet um or you know the the small growths in in place of them um vestigial limbs i think this is why this is why i'm like very self-conscious because i'm like i don't know the proper terminology for anything However, uh, I do know a little bit more than a lot of, uh, what it, these medieval writers would create for, it, it's oh,
2: it's okay. I, I too have been disabled my entire life and I still didn't know most of these terms until like the past seven, eight years.
0: Right. Um, well, I know of most the... of the
2: proper
1: terms, but I never used them. <laughs>
0: One of the uh, earlier descriptions of him um, describes him as, this extraordinary person was a German and little more than the trunk of a man, a body with only a head and upper arms. Having an excrescence at one elbow bearing some resemblance to a thumb, the lower part of his body was cased in strong leather and he twisted himself about on the floor with considerable agility, raising one hand or raising one side a little and turn on the other as a pivot. And I actually was like, trying this out earlier myself out of curiosity because two things popped to me in that quote the first was that his lower the lower part of part of his body was encased in strong leather which is so i have a butt shoe um that yeah. i must it's
2: gonna be a, like a butt boot.
0: yeah like a butt boot that i grew up walking around on and i wrote about it a little bit and i think i've worn it on the show and stuff but um you know, we always thought like we invented this from scratch, we're ge- not geniuses, but like you know, this was our invention. And, um, especially since like Double Take came out, come out, yeah, since the publishing of Double Take and a couple other things that have come out, like I've had people come up to me and show like old examples of people with oh, leather buttons
2: 400 yeah. years ago.
0: Well, so there's like one guy during the Civil War named Abe Bonifeld, <clears throat> and maybe we'll. Try and bring in, right? Maybe we'll try and do an episode on him at some point. Um, And then there's a couple others, but then this is the earliest version, so or the earliest reference to a butt boot I think I've ever seen, which is pretty cool. cool. Um. So yeah, that was uh kind of some brief rundown, I guess, on kind of what his early shows were like, and um, during this time. Uh, around when he was age 27, he was ma- got married to his first wife, Elsie Shoemaker. Um, Did
1: she seven... make his shoe? Sorry. I'm
2: so sorry. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a fair question.
0: I don't like, think so. That is a fair well, question.
2: But, like, I mean, the way the last names, you know, came about, obviously, yeah. was, you, know, you get a lot of stuff like shoemakers and whatnot. And so the question is, like, Did her dad make his shoe? And he's like, hey, hidden on his daughter while she's making while he's making her I can't talk. That's actually not making his shoe.
0: That's not the wildest idea out there. Especially in terms of like being more familiar with the bot like you know, the adaptive or disabled body. Like if you're working on an adaptive device with someone, you're kind of a little Mm -hmm. bit more open and accepting. Ah, interesting.
1: A little bit more knowledge on like orthopedics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I really want that to be the case. And unfortunately, there's just not much of a record of her. Um, she was also 16 when they got married. So uh, there's that bit. He was 27, just so we're all clear on the age spread there. So she might not have yeah,
2: been. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Well, I mean, so, her dad so might have more been. likely is he goes to the shoemaker and goes, Hey, I need you to make me this butt boot. And as they're going over the deal, he's like, "Oh, that's your daughter. Oh, I'll buy her too." Because I mean, it's not like Jesus pay. Christ.
0: I don't know if I, that it was like. Would that, you risk that, that
1: relationship thing. working with someone who's doing your shoes?
0: That's true. You wait I, until
2: they're done. You pay them for it, and you go. Wait, oh, you're by gonna the need way, more shoes your daughter. I've got five hundred acres over here and ten head of cattle. He I mean, didn't just, have much 16, money. It's the 1600s, you know. So, so yeah. why,
1: why, what would be the draw? To marry your kid off to him.
2: What does he care other than what he has to offer like him? Like, I'm being, you know. What does he have to offer her? I'm thinking about the time frame. No, no, no. no, This is sad, obviously. It's not like she was getting a choice in the matter most likely.
1: Well, yeah. But what does he have to offer her father?
0: Well, anyway, she died two years later.
1: Well, okay. Stick a okay. fork
0: in that debate.
1: Yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> uh, I feel bad, a little bit bad now. Um, sorry, Elsa B. Shoemaker. Um, so that was the first of four wives. Um, he then went on to mar- marry uh, Margith Assewain. Uh She survived from 1706 to 1710. Uh Anne Catherine Kemmelmeyer, 1710 to 1722, and Anne Elizabeth Tees, uh in 1722, who survived him. Um Okay, so
1: he's a little bit of a black widow. Hey (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, I think childbirth was like one step above a death sentence back then. Mm, So I think he killed her, but okay. Death by (laughs) well, they had 14 kids. So like when you when you paste like that stat over him burning through wives. Yeah, it's just like no, I wouldn't. I'm not squirting out any more of these fuckers. Uh um, Yeah, I
1: wouldn't marry my kid off to him. Like he's poor and he kills his I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, or he not- he makes
1: babies that kill him. I don't know.
0: And not too much was written about his other wives, but uh, his third wife and Catherine Kemmelmeyer. Apparently, they they got into some some rows. They 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 weren't always uh, uh, the most amicable to each other. Uh, there's a passage. I'm trying to see here. Uh, yeah, there's a passage written uh, regarding his third wife. Uh, And I quote, he had a great deal of money, but his last wife was a very perverse woman who would spend all his money very prodigally and luxuriously in eating, drinking, and clothes, and would not permit him to eat nor drink as she did and did beat him cruelly, which he had borne patiently. But one day, she having beat him before company that so provoked him that he flew at her with such force that he threw her down upon... and getting upon her belly and breast and did, by the way, there there's no periods in any of these. These are So, yeah. Uh, and getting upon her belly and breast and did so beat her with his stumps that he almost killed her, threatening to beat her in the same manner if she ever did so anymore. And so she became, a, afterwards she became a dutiful and loving wife. God, that's I'm sure that's reasons. what it was. Well, it is kind of funny that they wrap it up there. Like, and afterwards she was just very dutiful and loving. But it does make me wonder, like, how, yeah, I mean, if he, yeah, how he, he was able to fly at her and knock her down.
2: I can, I'm, I'm literally picturing that and I'm just seeing like one, two hand plant launch grabs her. How exactly? I don't know. If If everyone was
0: sitting down at a table
2: and just, and then just. Swings himself around and slings her over and then gets over on top of her. I don't know why I'm picturing this, but
1: I'm kind of picturing no, it that like, kind of work. like the scene in Elf when Peter Dinklage's character flies at Will Ferrell off well, the table. Well, that's what I was
0: thinking is that's probably your that best too. bet if you're like on a table, like getting just elevation. You gotta get the someone. upper. Yeah. Well, you know, what that you call makes it
2: makes you wonder. That makes you wonder if the upper hand... Um, upper
1: hand. No, upper... Uh-huh. What do you call it in Star Wars?
2: <laughs> High
1: ground. You, there you go.
2: In Star With, Wars. He, well, if they're all sitting <laughs> at a table together, he might be sitting on top of the table to converse and eat and drink. No, I
1: mean, he, he, he's super polite. He's not going to be sitting on the table. Why not? This because is a dude who does calligraphy. Better. He's not going to be sitting on the
2: table.
0: I don't know. He might be. Actually, in all be. of the vignettes, it shows him sitting on the table.
2: Yeah, but he's yeah, showing off. He's sitting on a table. He's talking to them. His wife tries to whip his ass. He's like, "I ain't taking anymore."
1: So he can make a butt boot, but he can't make a chair for himself. So he has to sit on the table.
0: I don't know. It might be a power pl- power move too.
1: Mm-hmm. At my house, I don't sit at the head of the table. I sit on the table.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, uh, in 1720, uh, so not not too long after that quote, uh, Matthias began to transition more to calligraphy and micrography work rather than being the you know doing the physical show and actions and stuff like that uh, at some of the local fairs. Um, he also moved to Ireland permanently um and he would while he would live there he would still tour uh throughout england and central europe um he did start moving uh to creating family trees and bible dedications slash inserts and there's some photos of this on the site um as well but it's basically like you know back in the 1600s these these tomes or these bibles would be like a family heirloom that would be passed down through generations and so there would be like a dedication page detailing you know which family member or which last name this was um and when the bible was created for the family um,
1: like, like a book plate
0: yeah that's the way to describe it <laughs> no so the um the reason he would do the like Bible dedication pages, is that it was uh, much more lucrative creating those for well-to-do families than trying to hustle jobs of like creating a portrait for someone from a stall on the roadside.
2: Yes, basically just, you know, better work than uh, being a bit of a street render.
0: Pretty much. And like, apparently that paid well enough when he was touring early on in his career in Central Europe. But London was a little bit on the rougher side in terms of trying to make a living. So that's when he made the big switch is when he moved to Ireland and had been touring more heavily throughout London. So um, and this this is kind of we get into more of the attention and rumor he got or he he was the recipient of Um, while his work that's available is relatively limited. Like we have some of his portraitures and dedication pages. We also have um a sorry I'm trying to enlarge this thing. Uh we also have a portrait. That's what she said. He, sorry. Oh bonk go to horny jail. Oh. <laughs> um he also created a portrait of King George the First. Um so like he he had some like work for Dignitaries and royalty. Um,
1: So he met King. I'm assuming.
0: Yes, there is.
1: Okay.
0: Let me see. I know that there's a. I have to pull up my. Yeah, duels.
2: Yeah.
0: He did. Um, I have to pull up. Uh, but yeah, there was like some sort of record that he had like visit. The reason I wanted to look up the exact wording was that there was like a record that he had visited the grounds that day. But there's no like. You know, paintings or anything that like he was together with with King George in the same room. So one of the the best things about like all of this research was the descriptions that would people would try to write about him, and for the most part, the ones I've I've uh, uh, read have been pretty okay. But this is a particular gem. So this was written by a, a traveling English writer named Peter Tillman in 1719, and this is the best description of a. Disabled body, I think I've ever heard in my whole entire life. All right. And once again, brace yourself. There's no sense, no periods his body terminated at the huckles or tops of the thigh having no other limbs downwards his right arm is but one joint from the shoulder to the length of where the elbow should be at the end is a fleshy protuberance about half the bigness of half a nutmeg and the left arm has an elbow joint which when bent is round like a ball and at the end is a fleshy substance the bigness of a walnut and the inside of the stump has a callus rising about the bigness of a segment of a ball the bigness of a common black cherry divided into three parts. Super kinky. I I don't even know, like, I mean, I I guess when you're trying to describe like what a human body is, that's like not, that's not the definition of normal. You know, when you don't have the words to make that work, this is kind of what you're left with. But yeah, I like how it's just basically like, this guy's describing the fruit cornucopia that you see it at, uh, at Thanksgiving
2: drawings. Anything Thanksgiving the metric system.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if y'all have been pregnant, but every pregnancy app I've been on, well, when I was pregnant, um, my kids were like, well, the twins were like, Oh, now they're the size of mangoes. Oh, now they're the size of a coconut. Now they're the size of this
0: okay so produce comparison food food, people understand food i want to use jelly meats it was the size of a quarter pound of ground turkey all right so um he was also the subject of a lot of rumors and jokes um one of the things that was popular in the early 1700s were these like Jonathan Swift type satire leaflets and they'd be like sometimes poems sometimes stories um and Matthias ended up kind of being the butt of quite a few of them um one of the first leaflets uh reads poor Buckinger at last is dead and gone a lifeless trunk who was a living one Trunk, did I say, wherein all virtues met? I should have called him a rich cabinet. No wonders in life's warfare he should die, who wanted hands to feet. Oh, yeah, who wanted hands to fight or feet to fly? He never made one false step all his life, except in marrying his second wife. And though they went together in pure love, they did not hit it, nor were hand and glove. So, like. I wonder what his reaction was. like this is just such a shitty thing to put out there
1: you know you've made it when yeah. there are rumors of your death
0: yeah well and that's the thing too is like uh this came out in 1722 and he didn't die until i think 13 or 14 years later um so yeah there was and you know news doesn't get around very quickly so a lot of people at ran was erroneously attributed this year to his death um but goddamn, like what a <laughs> like, I don't know. I just wonder how much what ripping. That for his wife. Was... Well, it sounded like she wasn't the greatest lady either, though. I mean, yeah. They were both
1: pretty is this bad. The
2: that, is this the one that beat
1: him? No, that's yeah, the fourth I... one. No, the fourth one. The,
0: the third one. The third one was the one that they had trouble with, and he references it as the, or this, uh, this leaflet references Second Wife, which I guess is incorrect, but, um, Yeah. So, uh, Bookinger continued to tour in England. Um, he didn't really make too many trips to, uh, central Europe after around 19 or seven, not 19, 1725. Um, but he continued to tour England at least until the end of 1735 as attested to by some small writing samples dated November 6th in the town of Minehead. Um, Even in these, like, later years, he was able to actually retire and live fairly comfortably, um, able to support his 14 children. um,
1: All 14? Jesus.
0: Right. Uh, And in 1739, uh, Bookinger's death was recorded in Cork, Ireland, a hand-dated cutting from August 25th reads, and they write from Cork that the famous Matthew Buckinger, born without hands or feet, whose performances were known to many thousands in the king's dominions, died lately in the 65th year of his age. So despite being born into just not much opportunity at the tail end of a war and famine, like he ended up living about as close to luxury as you could at the time. Um, and that's his...
2: pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you can
1: support your... fourteen children, that's you made it. <laughs>
0: well, and
2: like, well, I, what define support back then, though?
0: All right. Well, and yeah. I do wonder how much like the the ripping on him or his his false death rumors bugged him. But his legacy is pretty hilarious. So, um in the 1780s, there was like these. Uh, books that had come out that were like you know like an urban like a physical print version of an urban dictionary right like funny words and memes that are popular at the time Um, oh is this the one I sent you I don't know Um, but the term Bookinger's boot is uh, referenced in uh, one of these books that came out in the 1780s and Bookinger's boot is a euphemism for vagina because his only limb was his penis I have no idea how they got there quite. Um, but yeah, uh, the the book is called Francis Gross's classic classical dictionary of the vulgar tongue. Um and I've looked through it and it's they don't really describe like the actual mechanics of why he's he's Bookinger's boot, but it's also just see also vagina.
1: <laughs> so I mean props to everyone because I feel like there should have been a lot more dick jokes and sex jokes in general <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're all just lost time um, don't worry
0: there's a fair few compared i I would I would be willing to bet the amount of actual history compared to sex and dick jokes is like fifty fifty <laughs> maybe not
1: I'm here for the dick jokes. So do we need an inspiration meter. Like, how inspirational is this dude?
0: <laughs> out of ten. I mean, I
1: think I yeah. I, did, I don't know. Out of oh, ten. Like, I mean,
0: I like. I love like... this. I love this. I love this idea. Oh
2: god. Oh. oh wow. Best. Inspirational. You I, have
0: I, to. I and you so have perfect. to justify your rating. You have to justify your okay. rating. Hold on. Let,
2: let me tag this real
0: quick.
1: But it can't it. be out of ten. I think we should do something. I don't know. A level of. a uh, size well, of fruit. Well, of all, I don't know. I mean.
0: The
2: big he was the bigness of a walnut.
1: Bigness, yes, much bigness.
2: But but what's the biggest fruit? or do, Okay, so a watermelon. Hold on, if we're going with if we if we define it because there's some huge watermelons out there. Okay, so you, yeah. are we talking about like county fair prize winning watermelon? Or are we talking about the crap you buy at the grocery store for a, for a? I would say
1: an
0: average. I'm going to give him, you know, a 6.5. Maybe a little lower than I initially thought, because he did definitely come up through some hard times and, you know, managed to retire and support his family and live in luxury. But at the same time, he looks kind of like an asshole. (laughs) Like, every time I see a picture of him, he's got this smarmy look on his face. And then also the fact that he, you know, beat his wife and... Lorded over the death of multiple marriages, and yeah,
1: yeah, there's some uh suspicion there with me. I don't know.
2: No, I think just having babies, if we're we're talking about inspiration, whether or not someone's an asshole, I don't think is uh necessarily yes, it does, it counts. Hold on, oh, yeah, Uh, I think okay, okay, this is this is super subjectivity right now, so I can I can tell you what I think. Um. I'm going to go with the 12 pound watermelon because I think the, given the time period, the fact that he, you know, wasn't thrown away at birth and, uh, and, and which obviously wasn't so much of his doing, but, and then what he came to after that and sired 14 kids, got four women to marry him. So the question is, how many did he buy? Um,
0: I don't know. I don't know if yeah, I okay. All right, that. we're staying with it. We're staying with it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry.
2: It's, it's 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 the 1600s and 1700s. Okay. That's why I say that. Um, right. You know, you basically like oh oh you know the first person he married was 16 years old. He gave her father some you know property or or cattle or something. This wasn't uh, this wasn't Romeo and Juliet. You know. Um, so yeah, I'm going with the 12 pound watermelon. watermelon.
0: I'm changing my score from 6.5 to 12 pound watermelon. Well done,
2: thank
1: you, thank you. All right, well, I think I'm gonna go with the bigness of a standard grocery sized watermelon. Um, yeah, I don't know, like, I'd let him. Draw my caricature at an at a state fair, but I I'm very suspicious about these wives who all died, and I don't know. My true crime loving brain is just not having it. So mildly inspirational, and I do think attitude counts and behavior counts. Okay. You can't be an asshole and be inspirational.
2: You're allowed to. Your, you have to be a saint. And subjectivity. I don't
1: know. I think you should be more saintly, especially if you're writing the Lord's Prayer in people's hair. That's
2: a good point. Wrong oh. pictures of, uh, uh, of the king.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone knows the king is super moral.
2: After the king's orgy.
0: Well, that is the life of Matthias Wh- Bickinger. Which was oh. it?
1: Henry? Was it King Henry VIII? No,
0: right? Just kidding.
1: I was going to say he oh. got the the inspiration from him to kill all his
0: wives.
2: Oh, oh yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> well, that is the life of Matthias Bookinger. Most of the research I got was uh, pulled from The Greatest German Living by Ricky J. Uh Ricky J is actually, uh, or uh, he passed a couple years back, but um, was a big character actor on Deadwood. Uh, he was also in The Prestige and a couple other films. But the book he has on Matthias is super comprehensive and includes a bunch of primary sources, as well as a number of pieces of work um, that uh, Ricky was able to collect over the past like 10 years or so, trying to to really uh, complete this guy's profile. So what, um, what's the
1: title of the book again?
0: The Greatest German Living. That's yeah, a terrible no, title. He's yeah, not very not,
1: great, and he's not alive anymore.
0: Well, no. It, it refers to uh, some writing that uh, uh, happened to him after. So remember when I talked about the death rumor? Uh, yes. From that poem that, that came out, the Jonathan Swift type poem. Um after that he started advertising himself as the greatest german living at his other shows um because that way it was kind of a play on i'm not dead if that makes sense and that's kind of like the most insight we have into how he reacted to those kind of like death rumors
2: so okay. i don't know i'm suspicious
1: of people who are saying i'm definitely alive
0: i know mm. but but ricky j basically he pulled that <laughs> title which is super you know not informative if you're just like trying to find info on on matthias bookinger but that's where it comes from so um anyway a little bit of housekeeping uh you can find us on facebook and twitter at lame history and on instagram at lame history podcast if you have any questions want to send us a note or have an idea for a show please reach out to us at lame podcast at gmail.com
1: let us know how many watermelons you think matthias bookinger is worth
0: it doesn't have to be watermelons. It can be any type of fruit, nut, um, or portion thereof.
1: Maybe or any protuberance, the bigness of which is related to some kind of food product.
0: Fleshy protuberance is the best. Blessy. All right, <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will catch you next time.